At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Welcome to our series, Newish. Everything's changed, have you? Where we're celebrating that in Christ, we have been given new life. The only question is, are you living it? Let's turn to Romans chapters five through seven to decipher whether we're living in Christ's freedom or trapped in the patterns of our old life. Amen, how's everybody this morning? It's good to see you, uh, dark, gloomy day, but it's nice and beautiful in here. And uh, it's good to see all of you here today, uh, just taking time to be here for the early service. We know the most spiritual people come to the first service. Don't tell the second service, though. And if anybody is uh, out there watching, um, we just want you to know we're so excited that you're a part of this service as well with us. Um, you never know, just for those of you that are here in this, in this room, you never know who you're reaching and where their life is at. And so even now while we're here, we need to be praying for those people that are watching online because God's doing a work even through the internet. And uh, it's so great that we get to utilize some of these amazing technologies to be able to reach people. So um, before we get into uh, the message, what I love to do, and you guys know this now because you've seen me a few times, what are we going to do? Yeah, we just want to say hi to each other, welcome each other, maybe meet a couple new people, and uh, just kind of get a chance to connect before we get into the uh, message, which will be great. So let's do that together, and then we can jump into God's Word. Definitely challenges and ups and downs, but you know, we're thankful and grateful. Do you have siblings? I know. I do. I have, yeah, I actually have. I'm praying for them, I don't know who they are. <laughs> no, I have a brother that is actually a year and a half younger than I am, and I have two sisters that are actually younger than I am as well. So. I, I kind of thought you had siblings, but I wasn't 100% sure, yeah. so God knows. You know, yeah. you no, know exactly. I want you here. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's far from Birmingham, yeah. but God says for prayers. Yeah, thank you. All right, it's good to see and uh, hear the buzz, like I always say, to be able to communicate with one another. That's such an important part of being here. How many of you are Michigan fans? Okay. Ooh, and the tension already erupts. So there must be some Michigan State fans. Where are you here? Oh, okay. We're now... I, before I get into the word, I know there's something also equally important, and that is when does Michigan play Michigan State? In two weeks, okay. So, what? Okay, three weeks, okay. So hopefully they're both undefeated, which I think would really make for a unique uh, matchup. And I watch sports. I love sports. It's a way for me to unwind, but it also is a way for me to get excited. Um, I'm not either Michigan or Michigan State, sorry. Um, I'm for both, and that's not a cop-out for me. I grew up in upstate New York, 
And so Syracuse University is my team, and they don't even really know what football is uh, up there. So uh, I, I don't, I, they're, they're learning what football is up there, but it's not on any level that it is here. So um, it's good to be with you again and uh, be able to not only just spend time together, but spend time in God's word. We come for God's word, amen? We come to hear from him. And he speaks through his word, through his Holy Spirit. But we come to center our hearts and our lives around his word. So if you have a Bible or a smartphone with you, just turn to Romans chapter 7. We've been in this study newish, like Pastor Vince said. And um, it's definitely a unique book that is not easy to preach. Even as I study, I'm like, God, help me and anoint me to be able to communicate your word accurately. Um, And Romans is a very difficult letter that incorporates a lot of different things. You can tell Paul is so wise when he's communicating um, through the book of Romans. But Romans 7, we're going to be spending time in verses 1 to 6 today. And uh, I want to start out by talking about marriage. Now, first of all, just to let you know, I'm single. I have no... uh, wife or kids. I have a brother and I have two sisters. I was just uh, visiting my brother yesterday. He's a pastor on the west side of the state. And then I have two sisters that are married to pastors. Um, My dad's a retired pastor that just passed away actually about five months ago. Um, So when we get together, there's a lot of talk about ministry. But if you were to see us, what I usually love to tell people, it takes about five minutes and you see that we're just a normal family just like everybody else. Um, but I'm thankful for the heritage that we have and uh, the, be able to, the opportunity to be able to communicate God's word. But um, today I want to talk and start out a little bit talking about marriage. If you look in the beginning of this passage in Romans 7, Paul st- it actually starts out by talking about marriage. Now, to me, I've done a lot of weddings, um, even though I'm not married, and I cannot speak to married life in general, although many of you would have many things to say about marriage, something tells me. Um, The life that you have when you're single and then you become married is drastically different. Amen? Some of you are like, oh, amen. Amen. Uh, your life is not about you anymore. You have someone else now, and you're both trying to live and learn how to live in life together, and so that's a lot different. But I want to talk about the wedding ceremony. I do weddings, and it's amazing to me to watch all the dynamics that are taking place. I love seeing the man, as soon as he sees the bride coming down the aisle, to watch the look on the man's face or the emotions that it conjures up um, when he sees that for the very first time. There's something about that that's just so powerful to me. But then there's something that I think has become less powerful in our culture, but is really the most important part of the wedding. And what would that be? The vows. Like, we come to see everybody and, you know, oh, look at how beautiful the bride is, and man, look at this moment, this is amazing. But the vows are the most significant part of the wedding. 
And they're different in many different contexts. But I feel like in the culture that we live in today, the vows are the least become the least important part. It's kind of like the rote memory of like, you know, yeah, I give myself for you, for better, for worse, richer, for poorer. But there's one part of the vow that I want to talk about today, and that is the part, till death do us part. I, I really feel like that is something, obviously, that in today's culture isn't necessarily that big of a deal, but it's a huge deal because it's talking about the commitment to the end. But this is the reality. Also, once a person passes away, the other person now is released of that commitment to be able to pursue someone else, correct? In our culture, that is, and, and even in other cultures, in the, in the culture here that Paul's talking about, that, that there's a releasement of that commitment now that someone else can, they can actually marry someone else if they like to. Now some, they stay committed to the end. My mom, my mom's already said she's not going to marry somebody else. And it, there's nothing against that, but the reality in the culture and in that in this day that we live in, but also in Paul's day, is there's a commitment that now has been released. And in Paul's message here in the beginning, I want to read this, um, verses 7, 1 to 6, and then we'll get into it in more detail. But in verse 1 of chapter 7, he says, Or do you not know, brothers, for I'm speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person as long as he lives? For a married woman is bound by the law to her husband while he lives, but if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law, and if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. Now, this is really interesting because in the midst of Paul's talking about the law, it's like, why does he bring in marriage? What he's doing is he's speaking in a very direct way to the law. If you look at the beginning, he says, for I'm speaking to those who know the law. He's speaking to brothers and sisters of the Jewish culture that understand the law very carefully. And so he wants them to understand a deeper principle, but he's using the illustration of marriage to get this across. That, see, if we're under the law... And we've been committed to the law. Once we die in Christ in that death, now we are dead to the law. And that relationship to the law is now broken. See how Paul's using this here. He's using this in an illustration to communicate. And he wants to communicate to those who are under the law. Today we're looking at the big idea which is belonging to Christ leads us to bear fruit in Christ because now we are not under the commitment of the law. We are free now within Jesus Christ and his death. Amen? So how does belonging to Christ lead us to, break, to bearing fruit in Christ? Number one, belonging to Christ releases us from the law. And we see this in verses 1 to 4. I want to read this again for us to get a better, a better grasp of this. It releases us from the law, verses 1 to 4. Or do you not know, brothers, he's speaking to the Jewish culture, for I'm speaking to those who know the law. You have to understand, these men and women, the law to them was everything. They wanted to buy to the jot and the tittle the letter of the law. 
And so Paul is speaking to them, and he's trying to use a different application to communicate his heart. The Torah was so huge and massive for them as an example. So to be free from it was very difficult for them because their identity was so wrapped up into the law. So he goes into this and says that the law is binding on a person as long as he lives. For a married woman is bound by the law to her husband while he lives, but if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. She's been released from the law. And so here he's saying, belonging to Christ releases us from this law. This law of we have to do these things, the do's and don'ts, the layout of all the things that the law has told and communicated the Jewish culture to do. Paul is now saying, you are dead to that. And now you've been released and free. Once a person dies, they're not under the law and their commitment to that person. Death changes the fundamental nature of the covenant and one's boundness to it. Death is the, is the thing that creates that. And I know for me firsthand with my dad, I realized the reality of this when he passed away, that even though my mom and my dad still love each other, the law and the culture of the day, now their death has separated that commitment doesn't mean that they don't still love each other or they cared about each other, but now the law opens the door for a commitment to someone else. And so Paul's using marriage to say, death, through Christ's death, we now have died with him, just like we talked about with this whole idea of being baptized. We die with him when we rise to newness of life. Now we're not under the law anymore. Thank you, God. Is anybody with me on this? We don't have to come in here and offer sacrifices anymore. Our sacrifice is our life. When Jesus died, the veil was torn in two from top to bottom. It's almost as if God took his fingers and pinched both sides and said, I'm opening the door for you to come and meet with me. The law now doesn't hinder you. You don't have to offer sacrifices. You don't have to go and abide by all of these things to now be in good standing with me. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as... Man, that's why I love winter above all, all, of, all of the different um, seasons and all of the different parts of weather. He washed it white as snow. I think for us, we lose the reality of that so easily. And we get caught up in the world of the do's and the don'ts. And if we see someone who's not abiding by what we believe is the right and the wrong, we kind of put ourselves above them and put them below us. But with Jesus Christ, if we believe and receive his gift of faith, we all stand equal. Someone said one time, at the foot of the cross, the ground is equal. When we come to Christ. Secondly, we see belonging to Christ weds us to him. Look at verse 4, but it's the second part of verse 4. 
Likewise, my brothers, you've also died to the law through the body of Christ. So there he's saying, so that you now may belong to one another, to him who has been raised from the dead. So now we've been, this is what I love, we've died to the law through the body of Christ, through what he's done for us, so that we may belong to another, to him. We are now wed to Christ. We are not wed to the law. We are not committed to all of these things. We've now been committed to Jesus Christ and living and honoring and walking with him and walking in grace with him. I love that Jesus' death defeated sin and death and hell. He looked all of those in the face and said, I'm going to die, take all of that on myself, and I'm going to break the curse of the law and allow men and women to have a relationship with me as sons and daughters of Christ. Wow, does anybody love that? We don't walk into here as people that have to follow the law. We walk into here as sons and daughters. This is actually the first purpose of why we've been freed from the law, and that is to belong to Christ. Christ's resurrection is the hope of salvation, according to Paul. That's what I love. The resurrection, when Jesus died, he took sin and died with it. But then his resurrection showed the power over sin. His resurrection showed the power over sin and death. I think it's amazing. Even Romans 6, verse 4, I want to read this for, for you guys. Wow, it's right there, man. Someone is on top of it. We were buried, therefore, with God, with him, by baptism into death. So we're buried by, therefore, with him by baptism into death. So that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness. In newness of life. We don't walk in the old ways of the past. We don't walk according to the law. We walk in a newness of life in the grace, in the power, in the mercy of God. I think it's, it's interesting when you think of commitment and you think of weddings and a man and a woman. Genesis 2.24 is very interesting in this whole idea of commitment. It, it's, it's, I want to actually read it for you just so that I get it right. Genesis 2.24, it's, it's such a beautiful passage about, about this whole idea of marriage. It says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother, and he holds fast to his wife, and they too shall become one flesh. See, when someone, when, when this man makes his woman makes the woman his wife, and the wife makes the husband her husband. When that actually happens, they become one. They don't, most people when they get married, um, they don't walk out the door and then go live with their parents anymore. Now maybe a few of you had to do that because of certain circumstances, and I bet you that was a fun, fun time for you guys to be together. But the man, wouldn't it be crazy if the man's like, I commit myself to you as the husband and you are now my wife. And let's go live with my mom and dad for the rest of our time together. 
No, 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 no. See, the husband with the wife is like, we're starting a new life together. Like, you are my wife, and now I'm your husband, and we're committed to one another, and we become one flesh, and now what we're going to do is begin a new life and a new family together. It doesn't mean you don't love your parents. It just doesn't mean you're committed to that is now your family. You begin a new family together. That is the illustration to me of this marriage relationship between the law and Jesus. It's, it's, it's beautiful that we're, that we're wed to him. We're wed to him. He now, he and, I, he and I are now in a relationship. And the law now is not where I live anymore. I've begun a new life in him. Jesus defines our new reality. Our reality is not the law. Now it's Jesus, and now he defines us, and we are his sons and his daughters, just like I said. Our identity changes as those that are bound by the law to those that are bound by Christ. And this was hard for the Jewish culture because the law had been just exalted as so important. And there was, in the law, even as you read the Old Testament, the law was beautiful. The law wasn't something negative, but Paul is trying to let them know now, through the death of Christ that has now happened, the law takes on a whole different nature. And their identity is not wrapped in the law. This is why the Pharisees hated what Jesus was talking about. That's why he died. That's why he got killed. Did you know that? Jesus was killed because the Pharisees actually listened to this teaching and it totally drove them to the point that they nailed him to a cross because he was speaking against everything that they had given their lives for, which was the law, and he was trying to break them free of that. Number three, belonging to Christ empowers a new way to serve. This is the reality of bearing fruit that we see in verse four through verse six. And I'll come back to Romans because I don't think I'm going to find it actually here in uh, Genesis. Verses four to six again. At the end of verse four, it says, We've been raised to him who has been raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit for God. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members, in our body, to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we might serve in the new way of the Spirit, and not in the old way of the written code. The second purpose here that Paul lays out for us is being released from the law is to bear fruit. See, we weren't released and Christ did not die for us to just sit around and do nothing. When he died and defeated the law, he released us now to bear fruit for Christ. But the reality is here that Paul's talking about, and he gives a very unique description. He said, For while we were living under the, 
living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. See, we used to bear fruit for death. He's saying we bore fruit because we lived by the law. We lived by the do's and don'ts. And we thought all of those things were what gave us a standing with God. But see, now God has taken all of that and wiped that clean. So for us, what it is, it's all about living within his grace in his mercy, and in his love. Man, this, can you imagine being, can you imagine being a Jew and hearing all these things? This, this must have shook them to the core because of all the things that they had abided by their whole life. But Paul was trying to communicate in a very beautiful and passionate way, even through this idea of marriage, to help them understand the death that they had to this commitment to the law. I think bearing fruit is the key in walking with Jesus. And this is how you know somebody loves Jesus or if somebody just knows about Jesus. Does somebody truly know who Jesus is or do they just know about him? There has to be fruit. I think of even the reality of a tree that's dead. I used to do a lot of like working on a farm, and we worked a lot with um, apple trees. And I started out picking what's called drops. Does anyone know what those are? It's the dirty work of apple trees. There's all these apples on the ground, and a lot of them are rotten. You get down on your hands and knees, you'd scoop these apples up into buckets and then put them into bins, but those would all go to making cider. And then I got, then I got like, you know, bumped up to where I actually got to pick the apples from the tree, which is a whole nother thing because you had to be delicate with them even as you put them into your bag. I used to work with apple trees all the time, but then they got to a place where they would actually have to remove trees because guess what? There was no fruit anymore. And not only was there not fruit anymore, the reality is some of them just died and there wasn't even any leaves anymore. Here, this reality of bearing fruit is really interesting because a fruit tree that looks dead and is not bearing fruit is not a fruit tree. There's no life there. The fruit tree has to be alive, it has to be grounded, it has to be watered, it has to be producing fruit for there to be life. And some of us, it's very easy to kind of walk the walk as a believers in the sense that, yeah, well, I go to church and I do this and I do that. But the reality of fruit being produced in their life and bearing fruit for God is something that's very, very foreign to them. One of the ways that you bear fruit is that you serve in the local church. We were saved to good works, which means that there should be a desire in our heart that we want to support not only the church through giving tithes, but actually serving and giving our lives within a ministry within the local church body. There's so many different ideas of fruit, and we could take so much time to walk through them. But the reality is, is there must be fruit if we're actually following Jesus. And I love that. To bear fruit, not, not for death, we're released from the law, having died to that which held us captive. So that now, we're being dead, we may serve in the new way of the Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit is what produces fruit in our life. I think it's sad a lot of times in churches that people don't talk about the Holy Spirit. And it's kind of this scary thing about, you know, like, what is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit, very simply, is a part of God that has now been placed in us. That's it. Like, we don't have to be scared of it. It's not like the Holy Spirit's this weird, kooky thing that now all of a sudden, when you're filled with the Spirit, like, The Holy Spirit was sent by God as a part of the Trinity to now live in each one of us as we know him. And that Holy Spirit, by his power, produces in us fruit. Now, see, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was given to to specific people at specific chunks of time for certain tasks. But what's amazing about the New Testament is everyone received the Holy Spirit in relationship with him. And the Holy Spirit is who produced the fruit. I love the Holy Spirit. How about you? I love when people are like, man, you say, do you love God? Amen. Do you love Jesus? Amen. He gave his life for me. Do you love the Holy Spirit? What? The Holy Spirit is just as important as a part of the Trinity as God and Jesus. Because the beauty is we don't meet here with God and then have to walk out having given our, you know, we meet with God and we actually give our sacrifice to him and then we have to go out and wait till the next time we come back and give a sacrifice. The sacrifice now is our lives. And the Holy Spirit empowers us when we walk out the door. We take him with us into the world. So is your life marked by the law or is it marked by God's spirit? Is your life driven more by the things that you do because you think you're better if you do these things than marked by the Spirit of God who now calls us sons of God? And it's not about doing all the right things. God wants us to live for him. Don't get me wrong. But God does not want us to do these things so that we gain a right standing with him. He wants us to do these things out of the right standing that we have with him. Does that make sense to you? Let me say that again. We don't do things to gain a right standing with God. We do things out of the right standing that we already have with him. That's totally different. You don't have to go out of here under the pressure of the law like, man, did I do enough today? Didn't I do enough? Did I really honor God? Did I not honor God? Oh, I did bad things. God's really mad at me. Oh, I did good things. God's really happy with me. What a life to live under the law, but under grace and under mercy and under the love of Jesus, we walk out as his sons and daughters. Thank you, God, that I can walk out as a son and daughter of Christ. And what I do today does not necessarily put my relationship with you, God, at risk. I'm bound and committed to you for life. Till death do us part. And just, just so you know, the death do us part is never going to happen anymore with Jesus. 
I love that. I hope that today, even as we think about this, and we take time to ponder the reality of this, and even Paul, as he uses a new illustration, that it communicates to us the beauty of this commitment now to the law that is dead. And now we have freedom to walk because of Jesus' death and sacrifice for us. Some of you, have you placed your faith in Jesus? Maybe some of you here have known about Jesus, but you never knew that Jesus actually hung on a cross to take his place for you and for me so that we could have a right, whole relationship with God. That's him. That's the Son of God that came and gave his life for us. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.